Well, man, we had a uh, we had a huge week here last week. Uh, I wouldn't know I wasn't here, but I hear we had a huge week here last week, right? A ton going on, a lot of tears being shed as well, and just a great time of celebration as Pastor Shane brought the word, and I know some of our staff had gotten together with Shane and put together about 20 names of people who could bring some uh, testimony, and uh, they brought that with some transparency, didn't they? And uh, awesome time. Good to see that God's at work in this place. And, you know, while God was working here, uh, we were down in Haiti. There were six of us down in Haiti, myself and Pastor Steve and Steve Belzer, our head elder, Dan, our uh, production guy. And then we had uh, Chris and uh, Chuck Rinkenberger joining us as well down there. So we had six down there to help launch uh, Harvest Bible Chapel Haiti. First Harvest Bible Chapel on the island of Haiti. First Harvest Bible Chapel. Amen. Guys doing some cool things. Let's just throw some pics up here just so you can see what's going on. So this is the group. You can see four of us there. We were with Pastor Abraham there in the middle. And uh, we were hanging out. I don't even know where we were then. Where were we? I have no idea. We were in Haiti there. And uh, on the left, you see there's a sign up. They put four signs up throughout the whole uh, mainline run of Jack Mel in the city so that as you drove through the city, you could see what was going on and you were being invited out to this uh, big uh, grand opening. That's what was going on in the right there. And, and then that was the uh, welcome and actually the I think that's the exit actually there of, of everybody coming out afterwards. Uh, the church was running about 300, 250, 300 uh, beforehand. And they had, uh, last we hear, somewhere around 1,400 at grand opening. So uh, big. Uh, God was definitely worshipped in that and glorified just a huge time. They had contemporary praise, Haitian style. So they're singing songs in French. We're hacking it along in English. And uh, they, they pretty much matched what we would do melody-wise on things. So it was kind of cool just to be able to see multiple uh, nationalities coming together and serving and worshiping him together. So like I said, 1,400 people, they had five that came forward who accepted Christ afterwards. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but just a big day. Um, Abraham, just so you know, I want to set this just so we're clear, okay? Abraham did reach out. There were a lot of dignitaries and outside people in the community that came that day. So it's not like 1,400 is the going number, but we'll see what it is after this morning. They just they're probably finishing their second service right about now. So we'll talk to him this week and see where we're at with that. He was thinking maybe about 500 would be in regular attendance, five to 600. And uh, we'll see where that goes. So be praying for them. Uh, they have a room big enough for a hundred. So we were using the courtyard and we put tents up and we had chairs out and we were renting a lot of that for them and with them. And, and so there's just going to have to be a lot of creativity in managing. Hey, when God brings it, we'll figure it out. He's building the church. What do you want done? Amen. So that's what's going on in Haiti. Um, <clears throat> be praying for that. I'm just telling you, we don't have any idea what God's doing there. And uh, let's just watch as he moves and stirs in an island of beautiful people. In a beautiful land, tons of smiles, in the midst of abject poverty, lots of laughter, and uh, just a sweet group of people. God's doing some amazing things there. And uh, so excited about that. Um, We are in our last week in a sermon series here. Our last week in a series, Gospel Deep, His Glory Experienced, as we're closing out Romans chapter 8. And it's kind of fitting because today, being Palm Sunday... Is like the Sunday where this is when Christ was going into the town and everybody was worshiping him and celebrating him, making much of him. That's our job today. As we go through Romans 8, let's make sure that we make much of our God and his love 
secure in his everlasting love. That's the end of Romans chapter 8. So turn with me, if you will, there to Romans 8, starting in verse 31. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Romans 8, verse 31. And uh, just keep your hand raised. If you need a Bible, they'll get one there. So uh, how do we respond to this God of love? And uh, what should we be doing on our end? And so here we go. First step. Confidently approach the giving almighty king who is on your side. Confidently approach the giving almighty king who is on your side. All right, we'll start in verse 31. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him graciously give us all things? What shall we say then to these things? Uh, what things? What are we talking about here? Well, well, clearly we're in the context of Romans chapter 8, so we're at least talking about all that's in Romans 8 there, right? We're talking about there is therefore now no condemnation. We're talking about life in the Spirit, peace in the Spirit. We're talking about being adopted by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We're talking about a purpose In the midst of suffering, God has a plan. If you weren't here for that week, man, hear that, get to that. Uh, Romans 8, 18 to 30. God has a perspective to suffering we need to have. Uh, Definitely that stuff. Uh, But more than that, really, it comes right off of the end of verse 30. Look at chapter 8, verse 30. It says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is called the golden chain. The It starts in the beginning with God and his action, and it's a guaranteed event occurring one after another. There's foreknown, predestined, called, justified, glorified, all in God's hands. That's the passage. He comes right off of that, and he says, what then shall we say to these things? Like, really? It's a guarantee, it's absolute, it's God's hand working in it, and there's nothing that's going to break it, and every single person who is foreknown will in the end be glorified, and yeah. Well, how do you know that? Okay, so now he's going to answer with some questions and answers himself, and there's a bunch of these questions where we actually have to give the answer out loud. The answer is, uh, no one. I'm giving you the hint ahead of time, right? It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is... Yeah, that's like really not passionate at all, man. So when I read this again, give me with a little passion what the answer is. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what I'm talking about. No one. Um, Seriously? No one? I mean, Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Uh, No one? Or, Or, you know, when I share my faith at school or at work, I get people judging me and jumping on me and they're... I even get persecuted or ostracized. Really? No one? What does he mean by no one? I'll tell you what he means. He means no one of consequence. No one that can have an eternal impact on your soul. No one. No one that can stop these things from happening. No one. Are you hearing it? Like, God's making these things happen from the beginning of foreknowing all the way through to the end of being restored fully to Him. And there isn't a soul alive in the universe that can stop that from taking place. Praise be to God. 
his hand of love on us, walking us through to final glorification with him. And nothing will stop that from taking place. Awesome promise. If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, No one. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Picture this. God the Father in charge of the universe. Creation takes place and then absolute rebellion takes place. As mankind shakes their fist at God and says, I'll do what I want. Maybe you do know everything and maybe you do have all power, but somehow right now I'm convinced the world revolves around me. Thank you. And in utter rebellion, we stand against him outright. He gave his own son. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As we stand in the muck of self and make much of me, Christ died for me. And that's what the Easter week is all about, isn't it? It's Jesus Christ, his coming to the cross, his death, absolute whipping, mocking, beating, nail piercing, blood being spilled. Why? To pay a penalty that we owe, that we could never pay ourselves. And if God takes you in rebel mode and does that, how much more now that you're adopted as his child, now that you are declared his own, now that he is leading you and indwelling you and empowering you, transforming you. He says, how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Graciously give. That means giving what you don't deserve. Graciously give, lavishing out to the rebels. That doesn't sound like a normal plan, does it? And God is showing the universe his awesomeness as he takes our rebel souls and converts us to worshiping beings for eternity. That's what it's all about. Man, this is a battle for your worship. And God's got it all in hand. He loves you. He's paid the ultimate price for you. He has died for you. He has risen for you. He has it in hand. Jesus Christ, nothing spared. He loves you. Let me say it again. He loves you. He loves you with all he's got. And he's pouring it out. It says that he graciously gives us all things. Really? All things. Man, I wondered how I was going to get that Lamborghini. And uh, come to Jesus. He'll give you everything. And uh, that would be a grave misread of this passage. All right? Stay in context of what he's talking about. That he's foreknown and predestined. Predestined, then called. Called, then justified. Justified, then glorified. He's speaking to your soul. And what he's doing with your soul is he's moved you from utter rebellion to absolute worship of him. Pure glorification. Context, it's all about where you're at in worshiping and serving him. And uh, here's another verse for you, Second Peter 1, 3. Ties it together. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things. 
that pertain to life and godliness. Are you hearing it? Clarifier. It's good for us to understand what God's about and what he's not about. His goal is not to make us earthly wealthy. Some might have that. Many may not. His goal isn't to do that. He'll work through each circumstance and aspect. His goal is to take your soul and transform you from rebel to restored. Loving on you the whole way. Building for you an eternity you could never build for yourself. That's the love of our God. That's what he's doing. And 2 Peter 1.3 makes it pretty clear. That pertains to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The more we know Jesus Christ... The more we know him who died for us and we grasp all that he is for us, we begin to get more and more of what we need to know of him. It begins to pour on us and change us. And uh, you get everything that pertains to life and godliness. And this world is broken. We talked about it a couple weeks ago and it comes up again in just a few verses. And all too often we measure God's love on whether or not he removed the brokenness of this world. Bad plan. Everybody say that's a bad plan. I'm telling you that's a bad plan. You will be confused about God's love if you keep trying to measure it by did you remove the consequences of all of our sin. We've got to be careful of that. That's not where God's moving. He's moving to shape our soul, to restore us to perfection, to make us his child lavished upon with all he's got. And uh, this past week we were down in Haiti and, uh, and that is a poor place. There is a lot of abject poverty and pain and a lot of health problems. And um, it's amazing what God's doing in the midst of all that. And uh, we got there on Saturday morning. We were going to talk with Pastor Abraham uh, about the plans for Sunday and, and some of what it was going to look like for us to present out and welcome them as a Harvest Bible Chapel. And, and as we walked up to him, he said, I have to go. I'm going to the hospital. I have a back pain right now that has been the worst I've ever had. I just have to get in the car. So we prayed for him real quickly there, got him in the car. He went off to the hospital. And uh, we went and visited a couple of the orphanage pieces and figured out some work things that could go on and and just talked a little bit there. And all of a sudden, the guy who took him to the hospital comes driving back in, had dropped Abraham off, comes up to Pastor Steve and myself. He goes, Pastors, you've got to come with me. Pastor, Pastor Abraham's calling you. Come to the hospital, please. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And uh, so we rush over there. We get to the hospital. We come in, and he's got a saline bag kind of feeding him. And uh, he starts telling us things like this is the first time that he's ever really felt pain like this it's the first time he's ever been stuck by a needle in his life um, it was a tough circumstance for him as he's dealing with this pain and it starts to move around to the front are you recognizing this and we're like he's got kidney stones he doesn't know what they are we're trying to explain to him what it is and he's like whatever you know and uh so we're explaining to him we start praying over him and we pray, I text out to, I don't know how many, and I, there were thousands praying by the end of it as I texted uh, senior pastors of churches all over the place in Harvest, and, and a lot of you guys were responding to it that saw that come up, and, and so we're praying over him, and we're getting done praying one time around, and I'm telling you, the man was screaming louder than I think I've heard any adult man scream in my life in pain, oh, and I'm like, the prayer needs more. Keep praying, man. So Steve starts again and we just start praying around and, and we keep praying and, and, uh, no doctor showing up and whatever. And, 
And uh, all of a sudden, Pastor Abraham, I'm in the middle of praying, and he, he says something, and we can't quite figure it out, and he says, I have to go to the bathroom. And so he stands up and goes to the bathroom, wobbly as he gets there, and does that. I don't know how to say that in front of 1,500 people, but he goes to the bathroom. <laughs> and he comes out, and, uh, and all of a sudden, the pressure's down. Past a stone. And he's like, whoo, that was bad pain. <laughs> like, you better sit down, man. He comes over and sits down. But praise God as we were praying through that. I'm just telling you this. This is something we learned this week. Here, when you hurt, you go to the hospital. You demand a doctor. It's nice if pastors come and pray over you. There, you demand a pastor comes and prays over you. It's nice if there's a doctor. Major difference between here and there. I'm telling you, we need to be careful when we read passages that say he will give you all things. You misread that and you start shaking your fist at God. All things that pertain to life and godliness. And you watch this man move through that that day and got up and preached a storm up the next day. And huge things happening and his whole body praying for him. And thousands of people nationally praying for him and internationally praying for him. And was God moving? Man, let's keep our eyes fixed on what God's doing, not just our comfort, okay? Huge deal. And uh, our God, his love and his hand on us in the midst of everything going on. Simple question for you. Do you get the goal? Do you understand it's not about my comfort, it's about my king. And he's walking me from rebel to restored. And there are times where I might not have everything very comfortable, but God's doing a work and I'm going to trust in him. Maybe more specifically, what are you going through today or this week that's utterly distracting you? (laughs) Cannot look at God. You're questioning whether he loves you. Time to take that to the foot of the cross, hand it over to him and be done with demanding the comfort. God, whatever you want in this, I'm worshiping you through it. You grow me in it. I am confident that you began the work and you will finish the work. And that's what it's all about. Make me a worshiper. Whatever. Whatever. And hand it to him. Do that today. I'm telling you, your burden lightens massively as you confidently approach the giving king. That's the first step. Second, when it comes to his love, confidently stand before the providing, interceding king. Confidently stand before the providing, interceding king. Start in verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And Remember, I've kind of already told you the answer. The answer is... All right, so with a little bit of vim and vigor, here we go. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I need it bigger than that. Are you getting this? This is saying, no one can challenge me before my God. No one can condemn me or claim anything against me. No one. Man, that's got to be with some heat. There is therefore now no condemnation. Question, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's what I'm talking about. No one. I stand before God and Him alone. He has covered it. It is in His hand. My God. 
He loves me with all he's got. He's poured it all out on the cross and nothing needs to be added to Christ and his shed blood. He has it covered. No one shall bring any charge against God's elect, those saved, those trusting in Jesus Christ. It says it is God who justifies. Remember, we talked about this word justifies. Two parts to it. First part, debt paid. Do you believe that? Debt paid. That's why no one can bring a charge against you. No one. Debt paid. Second part. And he declares over you what he's now doing in you. Every moment of sin that gets expressed is just a moment of saying, this is the area God's going to be working on soon. He's declared you righteous and he's now making it true. And he's walking you through that path to glorification. Each and every day with him is a walk of his love expressed into your life. It is God who justifies. Question. Ready? Who is to condemn? No one. one. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us all. Four things that Jesus Christ is doing for us here. Four things. It says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. We're going to be celebrating that in a week. He's the one who went to the cross. That's what Good Friday is all about. His death on the cross as he declares, it is finished. He did not declare, it is started. There's a lot more work to be done and I hope they can finish it out and I'm not, but that's not the statement. It is finished. Payment made. Debt covered. This is enough. God can be doing a restoring work because of that work on the cross. Jesus Christ died. More than that, who was raised. Look, man, there's not just hope of death. All of us can die. Can we admit to that? Any human being can die. Raise yourself. A little harder, right? And as we come back to life, all of a sudden, as we have Christ coming to life, we understand the authority in him. We're told in Romans 10, salvation is believing that he is raised from the dead. There is power in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. This is not some little Christianese statement. That is the authority. That in my God, there is death and life. He doing the work. Hope. He died. He raised. He was raised. And it says, who is at the right hand of God. At the right hand of God. Big deal here. Right hand. It's his righteous hand. It's his ruling hand. It's where God would be bringing down dictate from. It's kind of a metaphor. Like the judging hand of God. And he is at that right hand. What does that mean? It means he took his payment on the cross. And his uh, ensuing life lived. Brings it before God. In order to say. Debt covered All done, not needed. Ephesians 1 actually tells us, seated at the right hand, work over. That's where Jesus Christ is. He died. He was raised. He's at the right hand of God. And then it says, who indeed is interceding for us. Who indeed 
is interceding for us. I love the word indeed in there. He could have just said, who is interceding for us? That's very clear, right? Why add the word indeed? What's he saying? It's like the giant exclamation point on it. Who is absolutely, obviously, 100% guaranteed always interceding for us. Remember that word interceding? We just talked about it a little bit ago in Romans 8, 25, 26 in there with the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. Man, you are not alone in this journey called life. As you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Holy Spirit indwelling, Him praying on your behalf, interceding with prayers and groans when you don't know what to say. We've talked about that. If you weren't there for it, get back into the Romans 8, 18 to 30. He has your back and He's helping you through each and every hurtful, tough moment. He's got you. That's our God. And now Jesus Christ also interceding. This word here is actually a legal word. It gives you the sense of a courtroom. And it doesn't give a lot of detail about what he's doing or saying. But I'll tell you in the courtroom terminology, this is what's going on. You have God the Father as the judge and he's holding a gavel in hand. And there's a prosecuting attorney coming in. Satan accusing. For your mind's eye picture, he looks like Danny DeVito. He's coming in and he's whining and he's complaining. And he's trying to make a point about how this one just, did you see that? Did you see that sin? And how could you possibly, and he deserves to be removed from your presence. That's what needs to happen. And God, the father holding the gavel, looking to the defense attorney as Jesus Christ rises, all six foot eight of them standing over Danny, Danny DeVito. And with no pressure whatsoever, no concern or anything. He's not crying out like, objection, I'm so afraid of that point. And he's like this, objection, it is covered. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. This one is mine. Covered. Debt paid. The end. And the father picks up the gavel and slams it down and says, case dismissed. Over and over and over for you. You are loved. You are loved. And man, as we wrestle with this sin... As we break down and we go the wrong direction and know this, Jesus Christ has you. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm telling you, no matter how many times I say it, you fall right back into thinking, but maybe on this one. But you don't know how many times I've done. And I'm telling you, you lay it before the cross. Past, present, and future sins covered. Your God has your back. Jesus Christ and his love for us. Question. Do you trust Jesus as your savior? Are you his? And don't leave today without making that final 
without committing right here and right now. You might be like, I don't know. I've kind of wandered around it. I'm not even sure what it means. And put the stake in the ground today and be done with the battling. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Confess and apologize. Please use your shed blood on the cross and replace what I owe. Please take that blood and that battering that you so lovingly spent and use it to pay what I could never pay. You're my God. I'm following you. That's saved. Trusting him, following him, being done with the sin, and watching him do an amazing work in you. Man, please make today the day, if never before. Lock in on that. <clears throat> we were down in Haiti last week, as we've said several times over, and at the end, as the service ended, I thought it was done, actually. It's in French, so what do we know, you know? <laughs> and uh, so they're finishing out, and uh, all of a sudden, Pastor Abraham turns it around and goes into a clear gospel call. And uh, another five people come up at that point and uh, people are applauding and there's time spent and they ended up taking uh, a time there to just share their testimony of, I'm committing now, as they cried it out over a microphone that they were trusting in him. And uh, please hear me, all too often we try to make our believing in Christ way too private. Make today the day you trust in him. And if you need assistance in getting there, come talk to us. This is a thing between you and him. And this isn't some magic words that get prayed. And this isn't some step I have to take in the, where you walk forward or do a, this is you and God and get it real. Please do it today. And maybe you're like, I have. Well, then it's time. It's time for you to start living that out. There is therefore now no condemnation. Jesus Christ interceding on your behalf. You worshiping him for all he's done for you. Do you get that he's defending you in the courtroom of the Father? That's your Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's not just hanging around. Like, what's Jesus doing between us? If the Holy Spirit's in me and changing me, what's Jesus doing? He's defending you against the attacks from every sin that comes through. That's what it's about. Him for me. Not just at the cross, but for all eternity. Amen? That's our Savior. All right. Confidently approach, confidently stand. Third, confidently wait under trial, knowing that nothing can separate us from the King's love. Nothing can separate us from the King's love. Here we go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer here would be nothing, because he says the who and the what, and he starts to go into a list of what's after it. So we've been crying out, no one, right? So get ready, here we go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one, man. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Answer, no. No one. No one can. And let's walk through these for a moment. This is really important. You're going to have to take a moment to work these because I'm telling you, you don't believe it. There's a part of you that questions this and you're going to need to let it really wrestle. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? You know, those times where 
things get very troublesome and pressured. And we're like, he doesn't love me. Tribulation or distress, literally it means a narrow way. Like, oh, and it's pressing in and you got to scoot by and the narrowness of the way. And we start saying, where are you in this, God? Tribulation or distress or persecution, the mistreatment for your faith. Famine. That's not when you have to not eat at noon, but eat at two. That's not famine, right? Famine, it's not skipping a meal. That's like no food at all. Physically, your body needing food. But in the moment, not there. Famine. Nakedness, not, oh no, I have nothing to wear today. It's all at the laundromat, but I have nothing to wear. Danger, our physical, emotional, or spiritual risk. Sword, your life at risk. How often do we let these things take our eyes off the king? I'm just telling you this world is broken, all right? And we're going to need to understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3 The cost of sin in mankind is brokenness. That's what's going on in this world. And all too often I hear this claim over and over. How could a loving God allow fill in the blank? Right? And what we need to be careful of is we have started to define an enabling love in that case. That in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our rebellion, there should be no penalty. What would you say to a parent? Where you're seeing that go down in the mall. What would you say? The kid's like freaking out, screaming, smacks mom across the face. And she just keeps being, come on, honey, now let's just go this way. And and you're like, do something. Wouldn't you? If you don't do something, I'm going to. Right? Get me out of the mall, man. I'm going to hurt a little kid. Right? And I'm telling you. That's over this little tiny disobedience in the mall. How much more when it's the utter rebellion against the God of the universe. And all too often we cry out, there should be no consequence. Please be careful of that. Please be careful of that. Now at the same time, that doesn't mean that God just lets everything go. And all too often he walks us through gracious gifts, lavishing on us what we do not deserve, giving us what doesn't need to be there as he works with our soul. He knows what you can handle. You're like, I don't think so, man. You don't know the load I'm carrying right now. I'm telling you, he knows the load you can handle. And he's walking with you in that. And he's doing amazing work in that. Trust me, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even the hardest and largest Physical hurts that we're going through. Nothing. God right there with you. As he's taking you from being not not his at all. To his adopted child who he's walking into the presence of his throne room for all of eternity. Praise be to God. And the shortness of this world and the brokenness of this world is small compared to that vast eternity. Please hear me. He loves you. He loves you and nothing can pull him off of you and caring for you and providing for you. And in those cases of providing, sometimes it may not be the physical. It might be the stamina underneath.
And so I just wrote these down. Four ways that God shows his love expressed. Four ways that God shows his love expressed. Number one, salvation. And you can't walk past that. Salvation. Him for me. Number two, perspective. Often he gives us an understanding of what he's doing on a bigger picture level and it's huge and we need to see it. Perspective. Number three, growth. He matures our mindset, our understanding and our wants. We begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. He's literally transforming our thinking and our being. Growth. These are the things that God in his love pours into you. And then number four, stamina to, re- to remain under well. Stamina. Those are four things that God gives all the time, guaranteed no matter what. Hear me? Guaranteed no matter what. And then number five, sometimes he may even remove the pressure. He may even bring some comfort in that and move you around it instead of through it. Four guarantees and one sometimes and God's love always at work because his goal is not our comfort. His goal is restoring us to perfect worshiping beings who get the grandeur of our God. And there's things in this broken world that we walk through and that are crushing and he's shaping in the midst. Please hear me. He loves you and we love you and anything you're going through. Let's rally together in that. Arms around each other, praying for each other, caring for each other. Not in an enabling way, but in an empowering and growing way where God is having a way with our souls. And all of God's people said, not as fun to say amen to that one, but God at work. That's what it's all about. I'm telling you, this is not about It's just going to be so easy. How do you know, Tim? Well, let's look at the next verses. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Amen. (laughs) And uh, Psalm 44, verse 22 is, is being cried out. God, no matter what happens to me, may you be glorified. Now that's a battle cry. Lord, I'm not asking for comfort. I'm asking you be worshipped. And whatever needs to be purged in me, I'm ready for that. And Lord, let's walk through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're my God and I'm with you. Whatever is going on. And, uh, all right. Verses 37 to the end. Awesome crescendo, big exclamation point. He starts out with one word. No. I love that statement. He's going along and he's like, can these things separate us? Can they? Can they? Can anybody? Who? Who? What? What? Can any of this? No. That's where Paul stands. In case you're wondering if maybe the question wasn't no one, now you know. Verse 37, first word, no, right? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Are you hearing it? We are more than conquerors. You don't conquer by going away from it. You conquer by going through it. Okay? God's plan. He's walking us through things. And uh, man, may we walk through those together as a body. And God Almighty pouring over you as you go.
All right? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. And please hear me. Notice the word us there. This is for believers. If we go too far down the path and we're like not trusting in Christ, but we're wondering why he's not seeming to be there with me. And where's this peace promised? And where's God giving me the... It's not things we demand when we won't trust in him as our savior. Make him your king. These are the promised hopes. He says, for I am sure. For I am sure. I am confident. I know this. All right. For I am sure. Man, we got to say that with as much like absolute commitment as we can. Just say it with me. For I am sure. Bigger. For I am sure. What are we about to read? Tell me again. I am sure sure of these things. This is not in question, man. This is not a maybe or a could be or a might be. This is absolutely true. I am sure. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about, man. His love is real. His love is powerful. His love is life changing. His love will walk you through the circumstances and at times around the circumstances. His love is there and he's lavishing it on. If he spared not his son when we were rebel, how much more will he graciously give now that we are his children? That's what God's doing. Nothing can separate us. Neither death nor life, whatever's going on in this physical world, angels or rulers, that word rulers also could be demons, right? Whatever going on in the spiritual domain, nothing is going to pull us away from him. Nothing can. They may try, but they cannot. They have no authority or power there. Nor things present, nor things to come. No circumstance is going to pull you. Nor powers, governmental or spiritual, nor height, nor depth. It doesn't matter where you're at on the globe. I'm telling you this. God loves you and he's with you. You cannot get away from his awesome love. Nor anything else in all of creation. Yes, that includes you. I've heard that one a lot. But I can pull myself. Can I ask you a question? Were you created? Real question. Were you created? Anything else in all of creation. Would you be a thing in anything else in all of creation? So I'm telling you, when people say, well, that doesn't include me. I can, I can pull myself away. I'm just telling you, you're changing scripture. Your theology is driving how you want to read the passage. It doesn't give you latitude for you to not be included in it. Everything in all of creation and nothing can set. How can that be? I'll tell you how it can be. Because it begins with God Almighty and his foreknowing and predestining and calling. And it begins with him and it will end with him. And God is at work in all of it. That's what this passage is saying, man. And some of you are going to be wrestling with that theology. And I'm good with that. Wrestle with these passages. You let these words settle, okay? Please challenge yourself on every single word in this passage. And don't skid by it with a, yeah, well, it just means...
And then we give our little commentary statement. And we say our own thing and we move on. Bad way to read the Bible. Everybody say that's a bad way. Let the Bible speak. In all of creation, nothing can separate us from him. Period. That's our God. And uh, It says, it will not be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is one way, Jesus Christ. There is one hope. His name, Jesus of Nazareth, God of the universe, awesome king. Him for me. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with all he's got. He has poured it out on the cross. He has poured it out from the beginning of time until now. He is walking you through something. And some of you, I even see tears right now today here. He's walking you through what you're going through now. Your God has you in hand. He loves you. Worship him. Give him a chance to own this. Watch God do an amazing work in you as the two of you cooperate and he grows you and he gives you stamina and he gives you perspective and maybe even walks around the circumstance in some cases. Trust your God. Love your God. Hey, we're told God is love. A lot of people wrestle with that. A lot of people in the world wrestle with that because they look at the hurt around them and they just don't get it. May we understand that we have a God who is loving and a God who is just. And as he works the two out in this world, he pays the price on the cross, the ultimate love to bring those two things together. He loves me. Just say it out loud with me. He loves me. Louder and bigger. He loves me. One more time. You're going to have to keep saying that. You're going to have to keep saying it because you're going to get distracted and the circumstances of life are going to take over and you're going to start seeing things in another way. And I'm telling you, as soon as you say the words, he doesn't love me, you're beginning to quote what is not true, what is not God. He has you and he loves you and he's pouring it on with all he has. Simple word, you are secure. Our God is an awesome God. His power is almighty. He has taken from the beginning of time the rebels of this world and he's going to work with us and restore us home. There will be a kingdom that will be worshiping him and God will have his way and everything will be put in place and you will be completely satisfied in him. And all of God's people said, that's Romans chapter 8. Life in him today. Life in him tomorrow and awesome hope along the way. Hold fast to your God and watch him work. Let's pray.